Hi, this is Doug Manch, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Welcome back, loony listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 306, and you are with your high priest of Conchi, Ray. G'day. And joining me for this awesome, awesome time to chat some classic comics is none other than uber-valued Petruni, as a Patreon member for the show, dead set, you know, head-to-toe Moon Knight fan, and creator of Fringe Night, Daniel Doing. Daniel, welcome to the show. Oh, oh, you're talking about me. I thought you were talking about somebody cool there for a second. No, it's oh. a, that's that's you, fine sir. That's you. Oh, that's <laughs> making up all this fun stuff about me. Oh, <laughs> going to get me swarmed by the paparazzi here. <laughs> well, uh, listeners know that. Well, listeners would have heard Daniel's name mentioned literally. I think every every episode, Daniel's one of the top tier Petronis. Um, creator of uh, the independent comic book Fringe Night, which we'll get to details and shout-outs. Daniel, as well, um, you can uh, definitely let loonies know the, the current status of things. I know you and I were talking just before we went on air about uh, some like, like prototype merch, that sort of stuff for Fringe Night, so that's very yes. exciting. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's great to have Daniel here, uh, and Daniel has joined us uh, to Up in the Night Sky. It's a waxing crescent as we record, which means it's a Lunapic classic run review, and so Daniel and I will be looking at Moon Knight Volume 1, Issue 22 by the the GOAT, Team GOAT, Doug Mensch and Bill Sinkevich. Um, so yeah, um... Before we start as well, of course, a huge thank you to all our Patronis, such as Daniel. Uh, you Thanks for sticking by us. You know, we, we've had a rip-roaring ride this year. This year's been wild, Daniel, for Moon Knight. Totally. Oh, my God. It seemed like forever, like ages ago, but it was this year, what, April, that the show dropped, and then we had, you know, all, all the episodes. We've, we've got a current series. We've got an, had an anthology series. All the merch, there you go. For those that look at, can see the video, uh, Petroni's Daniel putting up the the Disney Plus Moon Knight Hasbro Legends figure there. Um, it's a very beautiful articulated figure. Uh, but oh, it's thank you very to... well detailed. Very oh, well detailed. Oh, and you and I both, well, actually you more so, uh, I know uh, a lot more experienced with, with action figures and collecting them and, and making them. So, uh, <laughs> you know, not to not to shoot my own horn there, but you know, I do do a bit of a kit bashing here and there, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, a huge thank you to everyone for helping out with the show. Uh, a big shout out to our principal sponsors, Odin, Odin Sword, Drew Tombs, Daniel Doing, the gentleman right here, and Frank, the think tank. He was on the show a couple of episodes ago. A couple of other sponsors, CLZ Comics uh, for your database needs and Dreamland Comics from Schoenberg, Illinois. Uh, so, yeah, Daniel, like, 
I mean, what's been doing? It's been ages. We've had a little bit of a chin wag before we kick-started this episode, but, I mean, you've been saying work's been pretty busy. I mean, I think um, last I have seen of you or of French and I have been in the, the posts on the social media platforms about your appearances at cons and stuff. How, how was that all? Um, Absolutely fantastic. Um, got to meet a lot of really cool people. Uh, I got to meet a lot of other independent creators who, one of which said they were actually inspired by me to write their own wow. zombie apocalypse comic. Cool. So That's great. I mean, to know that you've actually influenced someone uh, is pretty, yeah, pretty flattering, I'd imagine. Oh, I, I, I still can't believe it. I still think they're they're fibbing, but, you know, hey. I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, what was the experience like at the con and, and all that? It's, um, you know, we're, we're talking about post-COVID world and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't go to that. We don't, number one, we don't have that many conventions here in Australia. Um, we just had one a couple of weeks ago. I totally missed it. Uh but yeah, how is it like there? Are people still wary? I I do speak to Saren, my co-host from To Know Her Is To Fear Her. She was going to New York Comic Con as well, and she was giving me the lowdown of, of how things are. But uh, is it is it? Um, do you feel claustrophobic in there? Or in... Um, it all depends on the convention, on the organizers, and how they do the layouts. The one that I did was actually in Erie, PA, which you know my book is based in, so that's always very nice yeah. <laughs> to help promote and um the convention center they had it at it's was right along the coast where uh lake erie is mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful setting and it's a very nice size convention hall and they even put a few more like booths in this year but it did not feel claustrophobic like okay. they had a nice flow to it. It wasn't like a big con, like, like New York comic con or anything like that, but you really felt like you were getting your money's worth with what was there. Mm -hmm. And they had like the fantastic uh, section where they had these master Lego builders there and like building all sorts of crazy yeah, stuff. Wow. That I couldn't even imagine building even when I was like five years old. I'm like, Oh, how are they doing this? Craft. <laughs> that's probably answered my next question i was about to say uh and it's putting you probably on the spot but um I'll, I'll make it a bit more general i guess what what is the what was the most surprising thing for you i was going to originally ask um when you had your your stall over there and and any anything that happened any anecdote that happened while you were there but i guess branching out yeah i mean from the whole con what was the um what was the thing that kind of really stood out in your mind that kind of really um, surprised you? Honestly, the sheer number of people that actually came to the convention, because that was one of the, oh. like, whenever you do a convention, especially like you said, in a post COVID world, mm -hmm. you're so worried that the, the, the event organizers are going to be real sphincters. Like, well, you have to wear a mask. You have to stay six feet apart. You have to sanitize your hand. Every, at every booth that you go to mm. they were not that strict and honestly they were like you know look if you feel like you got the sniffles wear a mask if you feel fine you don't have to wear a mask which was very nice and just even for a friday because usually the rule of thumb with conventions is friday you're 
you're probably going to break even, but don't expect it. Saturday's going to be your big day, and then Sunday's going to be your wind-down day. That was not the case. It was, boom, right off the tarmac from the get-go on Friday. Just I, I made – I pretty much was in the plus That's great. by Friday. That's great. And you still had Saturday to come, and, and yeah. Oh, yeah. And Saturday was absolutely astonishing. And even Sunday was very good as well. Because mm-hmm. um, I went with about 200 copies of issues one through six. Mm-hmm. I came home with about less than 20 copies. Wow. Yep. And and just on that as well, uh, so you mentioned one to six. I know six being the, the, the latest one out. I have seen some artwork bandied about on the social media platforms as well. You did mention, I think, also of re potentially remastering reissuing issue one was that still on yeah. the cards yeah yes actually <laughs> yeah um because uh, i've been doing a lot of uh looking at you know just the flow of the books and everything and when i first did issue one it was a little rushed um i was still kind of cutting my teeth to the whole format of actually making a comic book mm-hmm. and um I did it in black and white because I kind of wanted to have like that sort of like universal monster aesthetic to it. Yeah. But now that I've gotten going into it, I'm like, you know, yeah, I, w- I want to see stuff in color. I want, yeah. I want to see yeah, color sure. in my comic. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually right. working with my current artist, uh, Javier Lugo, who's an incredibly talented individual. And um, we're actually remastering issue one and I'm, going to be looking at launching a kickstarter for it about the beginning of next year we're nice. kind of we're still kind of getting through all the pencils and everything getting everything organized and then i'm hoping around christmas time i'll get this bad boy launched so there'll be like significant like reworkings for artwork as well or... yep yeah. the whole book okay. is going to get completely remastered oh wow awesome. it's going to go up to a 32 page format mm-hmm and um, it's going to be in color, and I'm going to include a bunch of like nice little, like kind of behind the scenes special features mm-hmm. in the back of the book, and also with um, our Kickstarter, and also for our Patroonies, since um, I myself am a Patroonie man myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be including um, about three different 11 by 17 posters just for Patroonies because uh, once. Nice. You know, we get this book going. You know, all all of my patroonies who have been with me through this mm-hmm. journey on Fringe Night, they are getting uh, special edition number one, that's remastered, that's along awesome. with a poster, and they will be getting a special uh, four inch little Fringe Night bust that I'm working on in prototype right now. Oh, wow. that's awesome! That's great. I mean, because I know you and I talked about. Um... Yeah, we talked about various types of merchandise that could be kind of done. And, uh, you know, there are the kind of, I guess, general ones that people, you know, stickers and all that as well. But, like, um, yeah, to try and find something slightly different and kind of niche and uh, special and exclusive, I think is pretty cool. So that's, yeah, that, that's sounding great. Um, and uh, Looney's... Uh, more details to come uh obviously when we'll uh we'll give some details i mean i'll even just shout it now it's in the show notes of where you can support daniel but i might um with that kickstarter daniel i don't know how far away it is but whenever it is or if it's available 
a link for it now. Um, I'll add it into the show notes too. Oh yeah, I'll definitely send you a link once um, I'm still getting everything uh, set up with yeah. it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was unfamiliar with the timing, but um, rest assured, Looney's uh, definitely it's worth checking out. Uh, and you know, this remastered issue one, uh, issue six, it's it's going to be um, Daniel's chugging along. So uh, French Knights, um, the story's building, the characters are developing. It's uh, it's awesome. It's awesome to be part of. Uh, Anyway, so we also have a little bit, Daniel, again, of White Noise, uh, Moon Knight News. Uh, only a little, and we did we did touch upon it again before we hit the record button. Um, Crypt of Shadows released uh, this week yes. past for, for those who went to their comic book store, their LCSs. Um, I just wanted to put it to you, Daniel, if you had read it or not. Um, I myself have it on my pile. I haven't been able to get there. I, I got there, oh, when did I last get there? Uh, last weekend. So I, I, it's very hard to get there during the week on the on the Wednesday. So I generally end up reading stuff on the weekend. But yeah, how about you? Um, it is currently waiting for me in my pull list. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like, like you said, just, you know, work's been crazy. And I've mm -hmm. got like a stack this thick of books that I need to get through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's... Yeah, it, it's a it's a really weird thing to juggle because, you know, as comic book fans like you and I and everyone kind of listening, it's it's fun to read through a whole lot of different stories. There is a fine line between when the stack gets too high and it, it starts to get like a little bit overwhelming and a little bit oh god I've got to play catch up now because you know I'm way too far behind, and then you don't have that time to relax and just kind of absorb everything. But hopefully, Daniel, that stack will be kind of minimized uh, over the next couple of days. Just um, looking at you like, my God, what have I done? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it, it happens with me as well. Like, say, for instance, just more recently, and this is not huge, but amongst other issues, um, I was like two issues behind on Ant-Man. I'm collecting the, the current Ant-Man by Al Ewing, Thanks. I think it is. Um, yeah, and that's been pretty fun. It's about all the because it's his anniversary apparently, and so it features all the Ant Men: uh, Scott Lang, Eric O'Grady, Hank Pym. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I was like two issues behind, and it's kind of like you don't want to be any more than two issues behind, otherwise you, you're really playing catch up, you know. So um, yeah, so managed to kind of well, I'm 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 on track now, so that's that's good. <laughs> um, Yes. Uh, so, Crypt of Shadows, it has come out. I have seen a few things out. I believe it's on Discord. Um, some people on the, in the Off Topic, I think, channel have uh, put in some panels. Uh, looks pretty cool, Daniel, from what I've seen. Uh, a lot of Elsa Bloodstone, you know. The book had me at Moon Knight, but it also had me at Elsa as well. She's, right. Yeah, she's just awesome. And I'm not saying that. I'm not jumping on the bandwagon because she's in Werewolf by Night in, in <laughs> D+. You know, um, I'm talking about, you know, back in Next Wave phase and, and all that when, when she kind of um, featured. Uh, she's been, she's always been good. Look, just a really, I know, I know there are a lot of characters that are sassy, Daniel, but... Oh, she is by far the sassiest. Yeah, something, something about a monster hunter, a British monster hunter with a big gun and just a thick English accent, you know, and a bit of sass. Um, it just, you know, that, that's, that's it. Just, it. 
It's all the right checkboxes. <laughs> it does, it does. Um, so I can't really recommend or suggest for you loonies whether to get it other than if you are a completist. Um, Moon Knight is on the cover um, and I'm assuming he's, he's inside the book somewhere too. Um, Somewhere in there, so. he's hidden. You got to look for him. It's like, where is Waldo? <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, you got to you got to <laughs> earn earn your your Mooney Looney status. So, um, anyway, Daniel, we are here, of course, uh, as mentioned at the top of the show for a Lunar pick. It is a classic run review. I love doing these things. It's going back to the old. I think it was nineteen eighty two, but I do have some. Details here, some credits, Daniel. Um, I'm hoping you'd like to share with the fair loonies about what we're about to do. Oof. Well, I think we're about to deep dive into some classic Moon Knight awesomeness. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yes, most more notably, Moon Knight uh, Volume One, Issue Twenty Two. Uh, it's called the Dream Demon. And again, Daniel, I I prefer it when writer this might be very obvious but when writers give titles to their you know their issues um not calling out anyone maybe i am when i let's just call him bendis uh but when they don't have time <laughs> when they don't have titles to their issues I, I i much prefer it because it's episodic right and yeah i want to refer to something other than there's issue 22 you know, this is the Dream Demon. This is the story of the Dream Demon. Uh, writer Doug Manch, penciler Bill Sienkiewicz, and inks as well, of course. Colorist Christy Skeel, letterer Mike Higgins, and editor Denny O'Neill. Now, there is also a backup story to this. It's the second and what I believe, and please, loonies, correct me if I'm wrong, the last Tales of Conchu. Now, we covered the first um, story, The I mean, in the last time we did a, a Lunapic classic run review. Um, and it had, a, a, these are little backup stories where Conchu has some influence or, you know, he go out, he goes out without Moon Knight to affect justice somewhere. So this was called Moon Over Alamein and writer Alan Zelenitz, uh, penciler Greg LaRoque, inker Joe Albello, uh, colorist Chrissy Skeel, letterer Rick Parker, and editor again, Denny O'Neill. Uh, release date was May the 4th, 1982, <clears throat> and cover date August of 1982. And this is currently, av- currently I say, available, because you can get it elsewhere. Uh, in floppy format, I'm sure you can pick it up in some bins, uh, bargain bins, that is. Uh, <laughs> digital digital versions uh, on, uh, I guess, Kindle. They do that now, or Comixology back in the day. Uh, and, of course, then that also means Marvel Unlimited. Um, I read it earlier tonight on the the Volume 2 epic collection of Moon Knight Shadows of the Moon. But it is also featured in the Omnibus, the second Omnibus of Volume 2, which, Daniel, did you read it from Which there? I have. Which I have. Uh, you know, not to, yes. Yeah, now, shoot my own horn. It is, a, it is a beautiful Omnibus. Um, we're so blessed, Daniel. We're talking before, I mean... What there are three Moon Knight omnibuses now in the space of how many years, and there's a fourth one coming next year. So we'll have four omnibi of Moon Knight. That's just crazy, like right, like especially like the Mark Spector run because like that is so mm. hard to find in anything other than floppy. Mm. Like they don't yep. even have it on Marvel Unlimited. Last I looked, no, no, they didn't. I 
I wrote to Marvel Unlimited back in the day saying, oh, you know, I Where's hear... Where's Mark Spector? Give us, <laughs> give him to us now. No, because I heard, I can't remember who told me, they just just write in and they're actually quite receptive um, and responsive. So I, I sent something in just saying, oh, look, hey, I just noticed that I think there were like, you know, the Acts of Vengeance, Mark Spector, Moon Knight's there. And I just said, look, it's it's just missing. There are a few holes in it. Would you be able to maybe upload more Mark Spector, Moon Knight? Unfortunately, it fell on deaf ears. Um, but now we have the Omnibus coming out next year. And uh, currently now, I think Volume 4 of the Epic Collection starts to collect Mark Spector. Um, yep. Oh God, what is it called? I'm going to, I'm going to Butcher's Moon. It's called uh, the Epic Collection. Uh, yes, the, the yes. latest Moon Knight Epic Collection. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Looney's plenty of uh, places to be able to read this. You have no excuse, as Daniel and I thrive on this discussion that is going to come yes. up ahead. Uh, now, Daniel, I'm not sure whether you do have handy. I, I can read the synopses for these two. Very short. Um, and courtesy of Wiki and Comic Vine. And again, for people who have the video, Daniel has grown another head, uh, which is totally fine. I'm just going to professionally carry on. No, no. Um, this is a this is par for the course for any ITK, I guess, hosts uh, cats. So Daniel's cat. Um, what's the, the one name of, of the little, one of them? Yeah, what's the name of this little fella? I believe this is Kodiak Jack, who is the big baby, because he's he's the youngest male, so he thinks he can just do whatever he wants, and Kodiak most of the time, Jack. awesome. Yeah. Well, his older brother is named uh, Christopher T. Bears. Christopher T. Bears, my gosh, that's cool. He sounds very very aloof, maybe wealthy. <laughs> oh, he's he's a big boy. I we okay. I call him Grizz for short because he's a okay. he's a great big boy, just like oh, his Grizz. father. Oh. yeah, who was named Meathead. Oh, okay. Unless uh, you know, <laughs> less um, glamorous name. By any well, I mean, way. his full name is Meathead G. Muscleton, so you know. Oh, okay, fine. Because he's fine. one of those those cats you look at him, like he looks like he has no neck. He's just yep. No. <laughs> um a hard, a hard yeah that's um yeah i'm not going to go there there were a, a couple of references to english cricketers um, but i i understand <laughs> i'm working a different crowd here so let, let's give it there um well anyway so we've got a couple of synopses here uh, loonies who haven't kind of ventured into itk waters before what daniel and i will do We'll go through a bare bones, which is a synopsis. This is very, look, I was just, I didn't have time to write one myself. So this is off Wikipedia and Comic Vine. Uh, we'll go through our overall impressions and then Daniel and I will start to talk about, I guess, key aspects of this issue, which features Morpheus. Awesome. He's back, baby. Um, yes. Uh, arguably, and please note, loonies, I say arguably the best Moon Knight villain um I'm, I'm not here to say he is or is not but i just know that a lot of people love him so um i'm just you know, i waving. think he's the only one that's like uh a mutate that mark mm. has ever fought i think because like everybody else like uh like black specter uh midnight man bushman they're, they're just 
basically schmucks with a gimmick. Yeah. Oh, you're think... talking about the, the classic villains, right? Because yeah, you know, yeah, later yeah. on the beam. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. You know, Morpheus um, uh, stuck out of the crowd, and I'm not talking about his grotesque looks. Uh, it was, it was, he was markedly different from everyone else because he actually could inflict, like, you know, potential damage. Um, to oh, yeah. All, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, Morpheus. Um, so anyway, Loonies, um, we'll go through that. We'll go through some key aspects and we'll cap it off with a moon uh, with a moon rating based off Connishu's rating system, of course. Thank you, Connishu, as always. Press um, Connishu. Uh, press Connishu. So... <laughs> Anyway, here is uh, the synopsis for issue 22 for The Dream Demon, first off. The doctors in charge of Morpheus start treating him with norepinephrine in hopes that inducing dreams will calm his mind, but it instead increases the reach of his ebon energies. Morpheus uses his power to possess Peter Alron through his dreams, who in turn stalks Moon Knight and attacks him with waking nightmares. Um, so that was the main story, issue 22, and then we have the backup, which was uh, Tales of Conchu, uh, Moon over Alam Alamein, I'm going to say. The Allied forces are in Africa planning their assault on Rommel's tank division. The way is treacherous and pocked with landmines. Will Conchu give his aid to the Allies or let the Axis be triumphant? So more of a historical, um, almost like a war um, tale. Um, almost kind of like a Sergeant Rock kind of tale, yes. yeah. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. So very interesting. I, I do have some questions. Uh, I'm not sure if you're really into military history, Daniel, are you? Or? Um. I have a, a nice broad uh, knowledge of it. I'm I'm a little bit more knowledgeable of like World War One than World War Two, but okay. I, I know my basics. Okay, I oh, know that. No, that's good. I mean, I only mentioned that as well, and and I, I totally um, you know acknowledge that you do know that stuff. Uh, one of the other loonies, though, Geronimo Johnson. I know oh. he is a a massive military um, fan. Uh, so. Shout out to you, Josh. Um, if you know anything more on, and please correct me if I've misspelt that. I'm assuming I mis misread it. I'm assuming Alamein was some sort of significant historical battle between the Allies and um, uh, and the um, the Axis. So, the Axis. Uh, yeah. So the Axis of evilness. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I've got a question. Anyway, we'll we'll get to that. Um, overall impressions, Daniel. What did you make of? Let, let's let's kind of stick, I guess, to the main story, and I guess we can just briefly talk about Tales of Conchu. I'm not too fussed unless you want to get in, into oh, that. I'm I am down to clown, my friend. I am down <laughs> to clown. Okay, fair enough. Um, but. I, overall impressions on uh, the Dream Demon. What did you make of this tale? And uh, just for our video patronies, I'm going to add that up there. Yep. What? Mark Spector, Jake Lockley, and Stephen Grant. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, but what did you did you enjoy this issue? What, yes, what? I. For a second outing for Morpheus, I like how they 
changed up the formula. It wasn't wasn't like that sort of like Inspector Gadget, like Doctor. Like next time, Moon Knight. Next time. No, mm-hmm. he was very subtle. He he really delved into the whole, like, kind of like I because I think this guy actually came out before Freddy Krueger ever showed up because I think Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. first appeared on screens in like 1984. So I think Morpheus uh, predates him and here you had Moon Knight literally fighting the proto Freddy Krueger basically a guy who manipulates people through their dreams yep that was exactly what I was going through um, what was going through my head when I was reading this it's like this is so cool I couldn't peg exactly when Freddy Freddy Krueger but I, I reckon you're about right I think it's about 84, maybe 85. I mean, this is 82, so I don't think Nightmare on Elm Street was that early. Um, so, yeah, exactly. I mean, th- there are a few tweaks as well, like jumping ahead a little. Um, uh, Peter Alrone, uh, as a, it was a weird kind of puppeteer kind of relationship. So uh, we get a huge explanation at the end from Morpheus to, to basically wrap things up um, and... Let me see if I can just dash through here. Um, <laughs> if you are, you know, susceptible to flashing lights, please look away. Uh, yeah, so there's towards the end here, Morpheus uh, explains everything, which is I found really weird. I mean, overall, before we get into details, I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I it was so much fun to get back into this, um, and. Yeah, and to have Morpheus, one of my favourite villains, I've got to say, um, be front and centre. As you said, it was very, it was treated differently. It's not just like he's, you know, mulling around in prison. He's he's in a coma essentially. Uh, he's not yeah, doing it. He, yeah, he's like not the, doing it. The anything. body is is yeah. immobile, but he's like in his brain, just pacing back and forth through the yeah. dreams, going, "Okay, how am I going to mess up Moon Knight and Doctor Alrain this time?" Well, it's due to the incompetence of the staff, right? Of of uh-huh. them administering, and I'm going to butcher it again. Um, no repiniferine, no, yeah, no repiniferine. Yep, that's sounds, it. Sounds good to me. <laughs> say it, say it as quickly as you can, Daniel. Quickly, say it again. No, no repiniferine. There you go. No, 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 no. You, prob- you probably said it exactly right. Anyway, <laughs> um, it's because they bungled it because they were they were pumping him with that to keep him comatose. But that actually apparently was feeding his um, his ebon energies. You know, so that that was I thought that was really cool. But anyway, um, going back to the point that we find that it was Peter Alrone who actually um, was able. It says here as well. Um, God. Uh, basically, he was saying that that Aron, um was able to manipulate people's dreams. It wasn't. It wasn't Morpheus. I don't think. Yeah, it's it was like he, his connection to Morpheus gave him his own set of like yes, dream yes. powers. And it's yeah. funny because it kind of reminds me of like uh, Wrecker with like the Wrecking Crew because right. you know he had his enchanted crowbar, and then he had these other three schmoes come in, and, like, and they all like kind of got their own power set in the same realm as Wrecker, but, you know, significantly different. Mm. I'd almost love to see, you know, again, I'm probably, you know, I would have loved to have seen it back then, but even nowadays, if Morpheus was like, okay, I'm going to get a bunch of rubes 
that you know want to learn about dreams and i'm going to basically build my own team and they're all going to have like dream based abilities mm. and we'll call ourselves the dream team and we'll go and finally finish off moon knight yeah 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 no no exactly and there there are some allusions to um fist of Conchu where where morpheus turns up again so we're talking later on he kind of has some acolytes there from memory i think it was uh issue two or three um we covered that uh and we actually we did an audio reproduction of that particular issue i remember um so yeah morpheus is is known to to pull strings you know um, oh, yeah. to, to kind of he's like a, quite a bit of a leader uh, in that regards a cult leader uh what i love immediately from this if we go to the the great maestro sinkevich I love how he instills this horror element straight away with Morpheus. I mean, he is a horrific character, but we get the opening. Um, and what I love is Mench's, um attention to detail. So he talks about night terrors, um, Pavor Nocturnus, and he kind of gives us a, a scientific spiel about them and, you know, the demographic of, um, you know, um, four to seven year olds tend to have in them and then the statistics of the percentage of you know 12 to 14 year olds that sort of thing but all the while that that's happening peter alrone a fully grown man is having a night terror which is um and again mensch gets into the science of it he's saying that whereas a usual dream is regenerative you know it actually gives rest to the body and to the mind a night terror does anything but that and it's, it's almost like a different beast to what dreams are it's stopping him of any restful energy mm, yeah so I, I love this kind of uh this take of mensch of really by doing that he kind of grounds it he kind of gives that extreme believability you know what i mean like this is not just like morpheus who looks like a a bug and he can zap people it's kind of like no these are night terrors and i'm going to use it but this is what night terrors are and it's just fascinating i can imagine back in the day night terrors would have been entertaining in itself because it's such uh-huh. a, a, a phenomenon you know um oh, and yeah. it's real you know so yeah and that's uh, honestly was one of the stepping stones that led to like you know nightmare on elm street and stuff mm-hmm. like that and that was before could you imagine nowadays if they did like if they had morpheus did stuff because there's like people talking about like sleep paralysis and like sleep paralysis demons mm. and stuff like that yeah could you imagine if they did a story with morpheus and having somebody who if he keeps them immobile and mm-hmm. forces them to dream they create sleep paralysis demons oh that would be cool yeah because that i mean that is one of the the worst uh my uh, look you know my sister had one of those bouts i remember when we were young and i think a lot of people associate that this is on a huge tangent sorry loonies Uh, i think a lot of people associate that with uh, alien alien abductions you know because that 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 kind of dream that you're stuck you can't move and there's someone in the room and you know they're yeah. examining you or something so there's there's that take but um how scary would that be that you're awake and you cannot move um and you just feel scared about something and there's this like bug face red-eyed dude who's like yes make me more <laughs> demons yeah, take more yeah, of my so... ebon energies yes <laughs> exactly so um we get a bit of a recap as well on Morpheus here. Um, but yeah, it's one of the, the, I guess the main aspects is um, these, 
what we later find out, I actually thought that they were just, well, sorry, step back, Ray. One of the main aspects, uh, Daniel, was what you were saying about like the Freddy Nightmare on Elm Street kind of thing, about this conjuring up stuff. And we're led to believe that this, at least for me, that this black silhouette of a person that attacks Moon Knight is a, a, a hallucination or something that maybe Morpheus has conjured up, similar to what we think um, of when Mark or Moon Knight comes across his his altars and they start fighting him. And yep. similar to when Frenchie and Marlene see a huge dragon coming out of the tunnel. So we get these incidences where it's kind of like as Friday, the th- not Friday, the th- Nightmare on Elm Street, where it's, um, you know, these hallucinations or what is real, what isn't. Uh, we get just in the panel before Peter around saying that he has a dream that he sees Morpheus hovering outside his windowsill and he can hear the glass shattering. But when he wakes up, sleep paralysis. Glass, yeah. Yeah. The, gr- yeah. the glass, yeah, it shatters. Um, but, uh, someone must've pushed it off the, the sill of, uh, so it, it's real. Uh, Mench is really kind of casting doubt on the readers because they, I think it's at Mark. Mark is as well, you know, are you suggesting that you've got telekinetic powers now, Peter? You know, because like, how did that thing move? Uh, so it's really getting into the sci-fi of what our minds, our brains can do in this subconscious state. Um, Which yeah, is something I, I, I always loved with Doug Mensch's stuff because he always hmm. teetered on that line between the mystical and the scientific, you know, just yeah. especially like, uh, you know, again, like you said, jumping ahead of it, like in the tales of Conchie, like in these things, you see like all these guys going through these things like, you know, was Conchie really there? Is it just a statue mm-hmm. and all this stuff coincidentally happened around it? I loved that, that sort of ambiguity that went with Conchie before they did the whole, you know, bird headed dude yelling, get yeah. moving idiots. Yeah, well, he's totally got. He's he's totally not. I mean, apart from the tales of Conchu, we don't even see the bird skull, of course. But he's he's totally kind of absent in this story. Um, so you know, we've got uh, what happened. The last issue that we covered, twenty one, it was um, it was zombies. Basically, we're getting really like a supernatural bent now. And this this time round, it's not anything like it's not like a a werewolf by night thing or it's not a dracula thing but we're certainly getting horror like psychological horror elements um in that with that regards another case in point we see when moon knight is giving chase to this silhouetted character who spoilers is peter alron um being being (laughs) controlled by morpheus but we get this green sequence daniel which I'll, i'll call it the green sequence and what horror movie wouldn't be uh what horror movie what am i trying to say wouldn't be like a horror movie horror with yeah wouldn't without be complete a, without a, a, a green sequence yes well i was about to say and a green clown or a clown oh, so we get oh that yeah. clown so we get a clown um who kind of you looks know, like mr Sinkevich, you have given me nightmares with that freaking clown <laughs> and i need <clears throat> compensation well, he reminded me of the clown from <clears throat> Zodiac's crew, you know, who later gets decapitated. Yes. And, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's got the same sort of sort of setup. But, I mean, anyway, it, it's kind of generic horror, but it still kind of works. You know, we're talking about 1982 as well. So, um, you know. And what right, was interesting is, like, 
they kind of it's, you know, like you were saying, like, you know, this wasn't like Dracula, this wasn't Werewolf by Night. This was mm. this was kind of transitioning into that new era of horror where we had like, you know, Friday the thirteenth, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Hellraiser, you know, all of the the other Halloween movies with Michael Myers. We were re- yep. like Marvel kind of predicted how horror was gonna go for the eighties, which is again shows just how good of a writer, you know, Doug Mensch is. Well, I mean, he certainly has strong ties to to horror. Um, I'm just casting my mind back, you know, those years ago when, when I was uh, privileged enough to, to chat with him. And, and he did start off writing horror um, comics, I, I do remember he said. So um, that's how, you know, that's his flavour. Um, and you see a lot of writers these days um, who are predominantly, well, they do lean towards horror, Cullen Bunn. Uh, I know he's very much into horror. Benjamin Percy, who's doing Wolverine, but more notably Ghost Rider, and he's giving it that horror kind of element, which he seems very comfortable to do. A lot of writers are, are you know, really well-tuned into that, and, and Doug Mensch is no less, I think. Um, and but, but just injecting that into the Moon Knight story, it's great, because, again, he's so multifaceted in, in that sense. You know, we don't even have any Egyptian... There's no connection to Conchu at all in this uh, issue, apart from yeah. the, the backup story. Um, but anyway, so again, we get, we get more hallucinations um, through here, uh, a huge snake. Um, I thought this was interesting. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, Moon Knight gets battered by the snake and Marlene. This is a f- the figment, of course, of course, of Marlene, part of Moon Knight's head. She says, oh, man, I guess I'll take care of it myself, which I, I think is a... A nice little, I don't know, might be an inside joke from Doug Mensch because Marlene has been known to save the day, uh, I, I, you know, more than one occasion. Um, or just get completely jump into a situation like, I'll help, and then she ends up captured. like, oh, Mark, I need help. Yeah, true, that too as well. <laughs> well, she does walk into the the jaws of this snake. So, um, yeah, that that's pretty kind of reckless. Uh, yeah, but so, you know, while... Um, Again, I'm just sticking with this main aspect of uh, these hallucinations. There's a huge sequence here of Moon Knight chasing this silhouette, a.k.a. Peter Arone, and and that's where he comes across his own altars as well. And this is the cover. We should have mentioned the cover, which is a a pretty striking cover, I think, of Moon Knight facing his altars coming out of mirrors. Um, Some would argue that that influenced... Oh, maybe not, because it's quite... um, that influenced some of the visuals in in the TV show as well. Um, but having said that, it's pretty. I mean, it's not to say it's terrible. It's generic. Not. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of yeah. It's yeah, like saying, something. "Oh, hey, this comic covers Moon Knight on it, and Moon Knight's in the show." Yeah, true, true, true. It's, it's probably a bit, of, <laughs> probably a bit of a reach there, old Ray. But um, yeah, no. But pe- people did remark on it that cover. You, you know, um, when. You know, when we saw the trailers and stuff, I remember distinctly a, a couple of Moonies saying, oh, look, you know, issue 22, it's, it's kind of touching on that. So, um, you know, you, you decide, I guess, uh, Loonies, after looking at the, the cover. Uh, but, yeah, so it's it's all about these these uh, hallucinations and what I found really cool at the end, it's Moon Knight just fighting mannequins, um, which, uh, so he must have found, he found himself in a department store um, and he just... just bashing mannequins um, could you just imagine the security guards like like coming in like one's coming in is like oh hey friend i brought you coffee what's going on like like the guards just sitting there just like yeah. um i don't even know how to describe this dude <laughs> yeah, exactly. so you heard about that that 
new superhero Moon Knight, right? Yeah. yeah. He just busted through the front of the store, yeah. and now he's fighting a bunch of mannequins. And he's well, shouting, I'm me, I'm Moon Knight, <laughs> to these mannequins. <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, what? He's fighting? Are, are the mannequins possessed or something? Is it an evil wizard? No, dude. I think he's just tripping on acid. Well, should we call the cops? Are you kidding? Look at how he's dismembering those mannequins. I'm not going out there. <laughs> well, all right, here's the coffee. We'll just watch. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Is he carving the face off one of them? <laughs> That's, like, oh. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh. But, I mean, oh, another awesome. thing. Just as we're kind of like, I'm just flicking through some of the pages here, just bouncing to art as well, Sinkovich. And I know your take on on the art. I'm sure Daniel is probably very akin to mine. Um, again, we see the uh, dexterity of Moon Knight here. He's he's got a kick that he literally does the splits, um, kind of a standing splits uh, in the air. Uh, he seemed. I got the impression. Yeah, I got the impression from uh, all the fight scenes that, you know, he was always going to win it. He, he's always prepared and he's, he's kind of on top of everything. So I really love the action sequences again from Sinkevich. And you see some, these things that we have mentioned before in, in his layouts, um, just some use of angles to promote uh, direction and movement. Um, then you've got different looking panel borders to create different sort of effects. I mean, these, again, staples that a lot of um, uh-huh. uh, artists do employ, but it's it's how you use those techniques, and I think Sienkiewicz does them really well. Um, oh, yeah. Like, really, next to, like, Todd Mc, like early Todd McFarlane, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz is one of my favorite artists when it comes to just the standard, and, you know, we'll put that in air quotes there, uh, panel layout for a page because it's never standard he always yeah. finds like, especially like the the one page here you have the bottom panel bleeding in mm. to the top panels there just showing how it's like encroaching in yeah. and what like peter all rain is going through just that is so beautifully done and you really don't see that anymore with a lot mm. of like the, the contemporary comic artists they're becoming very formulaic we, we need more bill sinkevich's and todd mcfarland's doing like these nice epic pages sometimes even two page splashes because it's just like everything's going to feel like it's just falling into the same thing yeah yeah and look just going on those um points for you about the art i think it's brilliant like those last two panels the ones that kind of overlap each other. I just love how, for want of a better term, how the camera is positioned in it, where it's a real close-up of Morpheus. But then to get to there, to the last panel, he kind of, the the camera will pan and he turns and he shoots the, the young guy from behind. Um, it's just a really nice sweeping movement that is just suggested because these are essentially static panels, right? We're not watching moving things, but it's just the way that stuff like that um, and the sense of movement that uh, Sinkovich um, considers for, for the reader is really, really cool. Um, oh, yeah. Really do enjoy it. Again, you're talking about layout, um, overlaying stuff. This silhouette is essentially all black except for his eyes. I, I love it how he kind of overlaps panels and the use of negative space um so he he's beyond the panel that moon knight is in and the background of moon knight is just like this light that is shining towards the camera um really cool really fun oh stuff. yeah 
or I moonlight. Moonlight, absolutely. <laughs> um, one of the other things I just wanted to touch upon as well, which I did mention, and it, it's a slight like quibble on my behalf. It was that I, I just found it really, um, I guess, unorthodox. And I was a little surprised that in the last panel here, Basically, essentially, at the end of the story, this is where we get a whole heap of, I guess you could say, like exposition. exposition. Just yeah. a huge exposition dump by Morpheus. And it's the danger of doing that is that it could seem that, like, the writer's run out of space and he's just, like, bleh. He's just blurted the rest out because he had to tie up a whole heap of loose ends. And he and Mensch had to. I mean, we're at this stage where there was still a lot of unanswered questions. Like, Peter Oran, what the hell? What? Why? Yeah, he's revealed. It is a huge uh, shock, but there's no reasoning behind it until we get the, the monologue by Morpheus. I don't know. What did you think of that ending? Like, um, it, it veered a little bit into the cliched... Oh, like, oh, Mr. Bond, you have found my lair. Allow mm. me to explain my evil plan to you in great detail while I swivel. <laughs> it, it kind of went into that realm a little bit, but again, because it's Doug Mensch, he pulled it off in a way that still gave you, like, like you kind of felt like you were getting a bit of an exposition dump, but, like, it wasn't super forced in... Mm. In a sense, like, like you can imagine, like Morpheus is just sitting there somewhere watching this unfold, and like he would just be talking to himself because he is nutty cuckoo like that, and mm. he would monologue to himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a very, I've got to say, a very brave thing to do because, as you were explaining that as well, Daniel, you can get, um, I guess, similar scenarios. But even then, there would be at least maybe that last page where it kind of establishes it and he, and they explain it. We literally get this in the last panel with a with a, a headshot of Morpheus um, in the background, overlaying uh, overlaid by Moonlight, walking away with Peter around. Like you cannot get any later than that in an issue yeah. um, to to uh, you know dump some exposition. But um, I agree with you. It's not. It's not a um, a game changer. It's not like a, a deal breaker, sorry, in that sense for the issue. It's just something that is kind of apparent. And yeah, unfortunately, it does make you kind of stand up and notice like it because it's just so weird. Um, yeah. But I mean, but other than that, uh, I can't really fault too much of it. I, I really actually, I really dug this. Um, it, it was, I mean, I've been... It's probably similar to you, Daniel, reading copious comics, um, you know, regularly, like whether it is because uh, I'm reading through some epic collections or your your regular floppies or some back issues, I'm pulling them out and I'm reading them. There's something about coming back to a Doug Mensch story um, where, I don't know, he, he does fill the page with dialogue, never, I think, overly, but you know that you're going to get a meaty story. And when I saw it, I was kind of like, yes. And I kind of hung on each word and uh, I really ate it up. I thought it was really, really cool. And the stuff that Mensch talks about, I mean, I mentioned about him knowing about the night terrors. He also talks about, and I'm going to really struggle to find it here as I bring it up, 
<laughs> he talks about the brain as well, and I'm assuming it's correct. I'm not going to, I mean, I haven't investigated, but he talks about these medical terms for the brain, um, where like dreams come from and everything. Um, I just really appreciate that. They're, they're, oh, yeah. Whether or not it's totally accurate, he's actually given, he's set a platform and he's kind of, he's kind of made this tone um, in, in, the, in the book that, this is really based in in reality what we know. yeah what we know is yeah. is reality so um no gotta love it but just it this this was full as you can see people with the video uh Sinkevich as well he doesn't skirt around with it he fills the the pages like we got here one two three four five six seven eight eight you know and what usually gen on average general what would it be about six panels per page yeah you have about six panels per page and then like you like it again from like a writer's point of view i'm just like okay how many panels do i want to break down this page like ah, oh, do i want to do eight uh, mm. i think i may be pushing it uh maybe i'll just cut it back and then i'll move this to this page yeah. so again i can i can understand from doug's point of view is like he did all the probably had all these great ideas laid out and he's like okay and then oh crap i'm at the end of the book uh uh one big panel yeah. exposition yeah. dump there we go yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely as well. I'm just looking at these pages and seriously on average it 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 exceeds 6 on average. We're looking at 7 to 9 panels per page. So this is chock full of of stuff and and not only that but you get decent amount of dialogue um throughout all. But as I said, it's not I don't I don't believe it's overly written. It's it was just a really enjoyable um read. Uh, how about yourself? Like before we give this like a, a mark, what would you Again, there there are two writers up until Jed McKay came along because that man is an absolute treasure and he must be protected at all, all costs right our comic books. <laughs> like for me, my two favorite Moon Knight writers were Doug Mensch and Warren Ellis because with Doug Mensch, you had like he would do enough dialogue – and it wouldn't inter interrupt the flow of the story. And then you had Warren Ellis who did barely any dialogue when he did like his yeah. issues. If, if you look at those, it was very much just a lot of just art, not a lot of dialogue mm -hmm. to it, but you still felt like you were getting a lot of the story even with, without Mark saying anything. Mm -hmm. And both those writers I felt had a very nice balance where they were giving you a good story and either they gave you enough dialogue or just a little bit less. Mm. Yeah, it, it's certainly two very different ways to craft stories. I, I felt Ellis um, um, wrote very well, um, but he actually, I think he gave Shelby a lot of opportunity to to let his art shine, um, oh, yeah. and and it certainly does. It's, it's one of my favorite runs as well. I think here with Mench and Sinkevich, they're 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 both, you know, full on firing on both. Still, not, I'm not saying that Warren Ellis isn't and not, but like Mench is doing his stuff. He's uh -huh. he's bringing the writing, like with the written word in there. But but Sinkevich is also bringing the visuals in there. So this is such a strong run. I, I think uh, it's really. Well, that's hard. why it stood the test of time, even to this day. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I mean. And any other final thoughts, any other final notes from here that you'd like to raise? Um, 
Um, just we, like we, again, looking back at this, I'm like, man, I really want to see Morpheus kind of put together his own wrecking crew with like people with different dream powers <laughs> now. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm like seeing it. And I'm like, oh my god, that's so awesome! I want that. I want it now. Yeah, Jed yeah, McCabe, yeah. if you're listening, Dream Team, do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, true. Look, I won't say no. Um, you know, a couple of freaky things I thought. Uh, Morpheus, uh, I think I've titled <clears throat> our episode along the lines. Uh, he's got no eyelids, so he's a comatose, but his eyes, his big bulbous eyes are, are open. Mm. Uh, it freaks out the the intern or whoever that young fella is. Um, yeah. We get, and again, this is managed, we get the family of Moon Knight around, I mean, albeit in differing roles. We get Marlene and Frenchie. Crawley is in there still. Jenna is still in there. You know, we still see Jenna's diner. diner. We, we still have enough to, um, to see jake lockley at least to begin with and albeit dream dream phantoms we do see stephen grant and, and, mark. and mark specter yeah so we get everyone kind of in here which is it's just really nice to see and and i'm not saying that we are missing that inside the current run because i think what jed does so well is um he's got his own family with uh, with reese and soldier and tiger and now tiger. as well yeah. so um that really makes as much as Moon Knight is a lone wolf. It really just makes it the comic book. You know, you, you got the supporting cast. So um, again, this is a shining example of that from from Doug Mensch. Uh, I guess finally, uh, any I'm just quickly looking. I yeah, I, I think that's about it. I mean, the big twist was um, Peter Alron. 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 How? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah well let let me take you to the last panel <laughs> um but yeah uh yeah so really good uh, daniel if you would give it out of 10 what would you give this um this comic i'd say i'd give this a 5.5 out of 10 it's a, yeah it's a ni nice middle ground oh okay I'm well, yeah, yeah I, I, because it's a great story and it leads to a great buildup for the next issue. So you want to get that next issue so you know, so you figure out what's going on. Because even with Morpheus doing his exposition dump, you're still like, well, but how? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, true, true, very true. I am. Um, that's sorry, you you surprised me. There slightly, Daniel. <laughs> okay. Um. I, I, as I said before, I really did enjoy this um, more so than you know some of the other Doug Bench issues as well. So I gave this a, a huge, big, beautiful yellow man. I give this an eight out of ten. This, although it, it has a, uh, I do quibble about the end, and of course, uh, and you're totally right about it. This isn't finished. Like we've got one more issue to resolve this. I think it just had all the ingredients of of why I I loved the Mensinkevich run and and they it does it so well. I mean, again, there are some issues where Sinkevich actually brings his game you know on a bigger platform than this, but it's this artwork is still so evocative and um and brilliant. Uh, and and with Mensch as well, it's a solid piece of storytelling. I mean, albeit that last panel exposition, uh, it's it had me engaged like I you know Oh, yeah. Generally, when we prepare for you know discussions like this, Daniel, uh, and it's kind of like it's it's like homework, so to speak, to read it because you're not you're not reading it like willingly or you know just like because you're inspired to read it. You, you read it because you have to prepare for the show. 
sometimes that can seem like, okay, well, you know, this is so different because compared to a comic that I want to read like now because I just want to, I was like captivated with this from beginning to end. Um, and yes, I just, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And what's really interesting is because I actually have, I actually have this issue in like three different like formats. Mm. I've got it in the Omnibus. I've got it in the um, Essentials collection. Mm-hmm. And then I've got it in like the newer collection as well. Now, what's interesting is in the Essentials, they actually do all the Moon Knight comics in just in grayscale, black and white. They yeah. don't actually print them in color. Mm-hmm. And just seeing, especially like like the Morpheus stories just in black and white, I think that almost makes them more terrifying because, you mm-hmm. again, you don't know what's going on. You don't have color to define like everything that's happening. And that makes it a, a bit more horrific and in my opinion. So like this issue, especially in like grayscale really added to the tone of like the horror element to it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I think I've mentioned it before, either on this podcast or the other one, um, that Moon Knight stories work, work really well. I think in black and white, I've got the essential as well. And I, I've read that in, I've read, I mean, I've read all of them in black and white and, uh, they they just work. I mean, uh, the other podcast that I do to know her is to fear her about Spider Woman. I've got the essentials for her issues as well, and and I read her volume one in black and white. And nice. uh, there is something lacking though. Like I mean, it, it just it's, I don't know. Maybe it's as dumb as the fact that Moon Knight is black and white. You know, he, he's jet silver, and you know uh, that that it works. But it just seems to. Whereas uh, the likes of the tales of of Spider Woman. I guess you expect or assume more color because her costume and the characters that she surrounds herself with, her villains, they're a little bit more flamboyant. Yeah, um, a very more colorful character, whereas yeah. Moon Knight literally lives in a world of black and white. Mm, yeah, and, and definitely with Morpheus, as you're saying, to give that horror element, it just works really well. So, yeah. Um, so there you go, Loonies. I mean, we will still talk about Moon over Alamein. Alamein. Uh, just briefly, but uh, recommendation, I, I'm, ash- I'm assuming from Daniel and myself for this issue, um, if not to at least check out this one to, to see where 23 kind of leads you to. Hello, I'm Alan. I'm Rebecca. And if you're listening to this, then we recommend that you check out our podcast, the DCAU Podcast. Well, we watch the original DC animated movies, starting from Batman Mask of Phantasm and continuing on to Justice League Dark, Apocalypse War, and beyond. And we will cover such heroes as Batman, Superman, The Batman, Wonder Woman, Victorian Steampunk Batman, The Flash, Batman Beyond, Green Lantern, Old Man Batman, Martian Manhunter, and plenty more versions of Batman. Lots and lots and lots of Batman. You can find the DCAU podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that you can get podcasts by looking up the DCAU podcast and subscribe today. Hi, I'm Pax. And I'm Abigail. Welcome to Ghost Spider Groupies, a podcast dedicated to Gwen Stacy of Earth-65, also known as Spider-Gwen and Ghost Spider. 
where we review her comics, discuss news, and give our opinions about all things Gwen 65. Right now, we are reading through Gwen's main solo series. Each week, we break down a new arc and discuss our and the listeners' thoughts. Tune into each episode and come on this journey through the character's history with us. Available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, Daniel, Tales of Conchu, this was a backup story as well. Written by Zelenitz, Alan Zelenitz, so the guy that will go on to, to write Fist of Conchu. Um, what were your general thoughts, you know, on, on this tale? I thought it was, again, it was very nice because it was, like, again, like, it was almost like a palate cleanser in a sense because mm. first you have this nice horror story and then you're jumping into, like, a World War Two story, like, mm. very... Again, very Sergeant Rock feeling like, oh, we've got a storm the sands, man. Mm. And um, just, again, seeing how not even really having Khonshu there, but like he's just a presence felt mm. in this story. And just that whole ambiguity to him, which I just absolutely loved because it, it made you question everything as the reader. Like, is Khonshu real? Is he not real? Just absolutely loved it. Well, I mean, that's it. That's it at the source, isn't it? I mean, and that—that's what kind of drove a lot of discussion, say, for for Conchu and Moonlight, and and the dynamic that a lot of people liked, whether Conchu was real or not. This is pretty much a story to embody that. Uh, yeah, I did find it strange that it was like a a soldier's army kind of story, because the other tales of Conchu again was very horror based, um, off the back of. Um, issue like tales of the crypt and stuff yeah, like that yeah yeah so i mean but needless to say that i mean you of course you can have different genres as a backup it doesn't have to be the same uh so generally for listeners um there's a there's a soldier he, he writes back and forth to i'm assuming his sister because uh he refers to their mum um you know give a kiss to mum for us uh so uh either that or, or they they are partners and um, but anyway, they come across uh, the tomb, uh, which I found very cool in the fact that you see um, the Doctor Strange emblem there. I don't know if you, you saw that as well. So there's a little, you know, a little bit of an Easter egg. Uh, oh, no kidding. Yeah, I don't so, think I ever noticed that. Yeah, oh, the, yeah. That is totally the seal of Ashanti. The seal of Ashanti, yeah, yeah. So they come nice. across... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and, and so there are some letters, kind of like your very, very old school kind of war tales, um, but they come across this and they see Conchu, this weird-looking chap. You know, these are English soldiers, sorry. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, so basically there's this huge battle. Um, the Germans sow their devil's garden for destruction, a whole lot of landmines, uh, this battle over Alamein, which, again, I'm going to lean on Josh or, or any other people who are into their military history as to what exactly happened. If that it, it gleans um, more significance from this tale than, than anything, maybe, like, did that battle, did the mines just just um, mysteriously detonate, you know? And, and they're kind of, Zelenitz is working this to, oh, it was Conchu, you know? Um, it could be something like that. But, yeah, for sure, the, the Germans and uh, the British... They battle. Um, some of them get 
splattered or boomed um, to smithereens. <laughs> Uh, but there is a moon hanging full in the sky. It's low. And then, yeah. And then uh, with the visage of Conchu, the, the landmines detonate. And that enables the British to to find passage through, I, I guess, this, this battlefield. So, uh, and then the question is, because you see the, the statue at the end. Again, this is a shortened format as well. So it's hard to give it a, a full rounded story. Um, but that that's the essence of it, um, whether or not Conchu has helped them. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I found this, you know, decent. It wasn't. Um, oh yeah. Actually, I preferred the the previous one because it had that kind of tales of the crypt element about that guy being stuck in the, uh, yeah, in sarcophagus. the, the sarcophagus. Yeah, I yeah. just love that. And like, and then they're just conchu, and like you can almost tell the statue's looking a little smug there. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, as mentioned, this is the second and I believe the last of the tales of conchu. Um, I like these backup stories. I wish they do bring them back, um, not to the detriment of the full main story, but they are they are fun, you know. So, um, if you were to mark this, Daniel, would you give this any particular mark? Um, I mean, for as short of a story as it was, you did get a lot of meat to it, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would definitely give this like a seven. Okay. Yeah, look, I, I'd give it a little bit less. I, I gave it maybe a six. Um, I just, yeah, it, it, the art was great. I really enjoyed the art, actually. Um, uh, yeah, the short format didn't help, but I don't know. Um, I, I just like the the influence of Conchu in that previous tale seemed to be a lot more... It seemed to be a lot more mischievous and yeah, exactly. And it was just crafted a lot better. Um, here, I mean, Conchu, the statue turns up, um, some landmines go off and that potentially saves, you know, but why, you know, why is he siding anyway? Anyway, so it was, it was a fun little tale, a fun little tale. Because even, Um, even Conchu hates fascists. That's why. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Loonies, it's not too late. We haven't got any feedback. I was going to um, go to quotation mark, but there's no feedback. Um, it's never too late. Uh, shoot us a line. Let us know what you think uh, about both stories. Uh, I, again, I'd love to know uh, more about um, the, the battle in Alamein, apparently. Uh, and, uh, yeah, tell us about your love or hate of Morpheus. Um, that, that would be really, really cool. Uh, anyway, so Daniel, a huge thank you for coming on board. My pleasure uh, as always. It would be remiss of me not to mention again and um, to ask if you can please share with the loonies um, where they can find you, where they can find your fine work as well. Oh, you know, you can <laughs> uh, can find everything fringe night related on uh our facebook page our instagram page and our twitter page just look for uh the fringe night official and then just on facebook just look for the fringe night and from there you can find links to all of my pages on patreon and my indie planet where you can get digital or physical copies of my oh so awesome comics if i do say Mm -hmm. so myself there (laughs) <laughs> and uh, uh, especially pay attention to our Patreon because we've always got fun stuff that I'm posting on there. I'm, right now I'm doing a, a series of uh, short story pulps that tie in in between issues that I'm uh, posting to kind of yes. give a little bit more lore into the world of the Fringe Night. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to go even further, Daniel, and say that all those links to the Fringe Night, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, play, Patreon page, Indie Planet, um, it will all be in the show notes. There. So e- easy for you loonies to, to go check it out. And again, I do urge you, uh, I do mention every show, patreon.com slash fringe night 27 is where you can support Daniel's fine work. Uh, but as mentioned, there are links within there as well to, to lead you to his other social platforms. Um, by way of, um, I'd, look, I'm just going to shout out again, uh, just because I want to, uh, Frank the Think Tank, he and his nephew, Pablo Candy Bar are doing great work over their new podcast, I Want to Fight It. Um, so they're coming out every Wednesday uh, where Frank and Pablo uh, discuss a mythical uh, creature or could be comic book character, comic book villain, sorry, uh, or cryptid. What is a cryptid, Daniel? I'm probably really stupid, but what is that? Um, That's sort of like the new term for like uh, creatures that are not in any sort of uh, genus of like the the known animal family. So we're talking like Bigfoot, oh. okay. um, you know, Loch Ness Monster, mm-hmm. uh, the Alligator People, Mothman, like yeah. like the creatures that do seem to more and more like it's becoming harder for people to deny that they exist. Okay. But they can't really put them into a specific like they can't say like Sasquatch is like um like an ape or something because he's not really an right. ape he's not really a man you know gotcha it, it's like in the old days it's just like a pure monster right like a yep just a creature awesome well I mean yeah check it out uh they they're doing great stuff they're up to as of the time of this recording that they're, they're up to issue episode three. Um, and they've fought uh, some strange things. Uh, I was listening to episode two, Daniel, and they were fighting, I think, a cryptid. It was like a giant snapping turtle. Um, uh, oh, there's, a, there's, cool. a legend, there's a legend of, oh, you know, uh, kind of an urban legend, I think, of this particular. I can't remember. The Beast of, I can't remember what it was called. But, yeah, a snapping turtle. It's pretty cool. Um oh. Next phase, Loonies, uh, we'll be jumping back. I think it's time for a new comic book. Uh, so it'll be a moonshine. Uh, so look out for Jed McKay's uh, latest offering issue. Help me out here, Daniel. 16, is it? 17, 16. Yes, 16. 16. Chinatown. Uh, China. Oh, yes, Chinatown. So that should be exciting. Uh, we'll definitely um, be covering that. We'll be doing a live stream because it is a new comic uh, and fingers crossed, I think I do have the power of Chad joining me. So just got to confirm availability, um, but that should be fun too. Uh, as always, I'd like to thank the Patronis, and I will put this up on the screen because I keep on forgetting. Uh, so a huge thank you to all our Patronis uh, from differing tiers. Um, gives you differing, I guess, producer titles so we have executive producers there odin odin saw drew tomes daniel doing frank the think tank Derek o'neill and justin osgood co-producers as well wayne hunt josh johnson anthony sitko michael siebert russell moran mario de giacomo 
Matthew Howell and Jonathan Supsid. So thank you so much, everyone, uh, for supporting us. And you too can become a Patreon member. Just check out patreon.com slash ITK Moon Knight. <clears throat> a big shout out to, to our principal sponsors again. Odin Odin Sword. He does a drinking Marvel podcast. As mentioned, Frank the Think Tank. I want to fight it podcast. Uh, Daniel Doing. You've seen the fine gentleman. You've heard his dulcet tones. Creator of Fringe Night. Again, you can... Support him on patreon.com slash fringenight27. Drew Toombs, uh, his music on soundcloud.com slash toombs or lurkmusic with a ck.bandcamp.com. CLZ Comics at collectors.com just for a small fee. They're partnered now with Cover Price. That's cover without an R. And they uh, have all the up-to-date market prices for for your comic book collection. It's pretty pretty handy. Uh, and finally, use the code MOON and you get 20% off the Dreamland Comics store. All the links in the show notes. Uh, you can find us. Uh, join, drop us a line on email feedback at itkmoonlight.com. Our website is itkmoonlight.com. We're on Facebook, uh, Twitter and Instagram. Links in the show notes or up on the screen as you see as well. And finally, a big thank you to all our patrons. We're uh, and sorry, big thank you to the collective, all the collective members. Um, they're doing some great work there. Big shout out to Brian Biggie from Inner Demons. You are a gun, and of course, um, Dave Finn from Dread or Dead, the Judge Dread um, podcast. So yeah, uh, Daniel, my fine sir. Thank you so much. Hope you have a grand day. Well, thank you there, High Priest of Conchu Ray. I hope you have a fantastic lunar cycle as well. <laughs> thank you so much. And everyone, as always, we'll catch you next week. But until then, may Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later. and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.